Get up and howl about America and democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies. The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business. And I have chosen you to preach this evangel. They are a secret network of international pirates who identify with no nation, no national flag, and no established religion. Their flag is the skull and crossbones, and their god, G-O-D, spells gold, oil, and drugs. Consciousness, controlling your soul, sort of a psychological dictatorship. 
front line. Guilty as charged, defending like it's a crime. Set. We are renegades, this means war. Sixteen plus to break unjust laws. Overthrow regimes in the name of the cause. Renegades never claim this means war. 100% uncut war. Fuck limited freedom, nigga, we want more. The machine is corrupted down to the core. Grab a lobby, motherfucker, this I'm your giving us, you know, that support we need to show us that we're doing the right thing. We're glad that people are definitely trying to stay aware and open a third eye to what's going on in this world right now because time is now. Things are changing. You need to seek the truth. Just like name the truth seekers, the truth seeker, you need to become a truth seeker and seek the truth <laughs> because it's real. All right, people? And today yes, we're going to wrap up yes, everything. Sir. We're going to wrap it up today. We're going to wrap it up for real. We're going to actually show you how everything is everything, okay? And all the last four shows we had, we went and we showed you where it all came from. Now we're going to show you how it got here. And at that point, you should want to know, when this show ends today, you're going to want to search for the truth. And then you're going to start opening your eyes when you read these books and read these papers and everything. You open your eyes and see and try to find the truth for yourself. You know what I mean? All right. So what's going on, people? How y'all feeling, man? Uh, just trying to survive in the madness, brother. Madness every, every day. Get that every spiritual day. elevation, man. Keep keep this vibe going. Yeah, definitely. So, people, you know, before we go into the, before we go into our you know our show, you know, we go into dropping the jewels on you. First thing we want to touch on is just basic news. All right, that's going on in the world. That really the media is not really. Uh, Putting out there right now Because right now in Detroit We have a situation that happened in Detroit Where a young lady's car broke down And she went and knocked on a man's door And he wound up shooting her in the head And killing her I Yeah, as she, she turned And walked away Yeah, so You know, people not going to jail Once again, they show us that Minorities, black, Latino, whatever you want to call it You know what I'm saying, we have no rights That we're just expendable and that's the thing, people, why we give you these shows is to find the truth. Because you realize that you're not part of their system. So how, if you're not part of their system, how are you part of their belief system? No talk. 
You know what I'm saying? Good point. That's a great point. You know, so it's like they showing you that you mean nothing to them, but yet we still do the house nigga shit. We still <laughs> try to be what we not. And that's not everybody, but a lot of people are. A lot of people don't think that things can happen to them. All right, things happen, they, oh, it didn't happen to me, but guess what, when it happened to you, you want people to feel sorry for you. Then you don't understand why they don't feel sorry for you, because guess what, when people, it happened, when it had situations like that happened, and somebody told you, you didn't care. So why would you expect somebody else to care? Real talk. You know what I'm saying? So people yeah. don't think, they don't understand that for every action is a reaction. You know what I'm saying? Something called cause and effect. True indeed. You know what I mean? They don't understand that this shit is real out here. I mean, these people don't care about it. We're expendable. We're basically expendable to the system. Every day, one black male dies, two black men die. Why? The one who shot him and killed him die because he go to jail for the rest of his life. And the other person who shot, who, who, who we hope wouldn't die, if he did die, he's gone. Or if he survives, he still has problems. Yeah, indeed. So the system yeah, we shows just, you. We're just a number and a piece of paper to these people, man. We're just all commodities, man. That's it. We, we, we're common stock, right? <laughs> you, all right? Then you got your boys, you know, your boys, your idols, or your idol people, your idol worshippers, your idols. They're just preferred stock. They're still stock, too. They're just preferred stock. We're common stock. Okay, they know they're going to make their money off them. Yes, indeed. All right, they don't know. They're taking a shot in the dark with, with, the, with the minority common stock. There's a lot of common stock. You know, so with the Detroit, man, it's like people not, the news not really putting it out there. The news not talking about it. The news not informing the people what's going on uh, with the young lady. Once again, it's another Trayvon Martin situation. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing because she wasn't armed, and then he's using that stand your ground law. All right. Uh, can, can you break, can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because this is, um, yeah, about the going that, um, yeah. I'm about to go into that right now. Now, if y'all, okay, um, last month another something like this happened too with Jonathan Ferrell. We'll go into that. All right. Now, that was, from what I heard, that was actually horrific. Now, the slaying of 19-year-old Renisha McBride. At around 2.30 a.m. on Saturday morning, McBride got into a car accident near Dearborn Heights in a suburb around Detroit. Her cell phone battery was dead, so she went to a nearby home to seek help. But after knocking on the door, McBride was killed by a gunshot wound to the head. Homeowner claims shotgun discharged accidentally. Dearborn Heights Police initially told McBride's family that her body was found dumped near Warren Ave and Outer Drive. But that story quickly changed. Not only are police refusing to release the identity of the man who shot McBride, but they're now saying she was mistaken for an intruder and shot in self-defense on a homeowner's front porch. Now, even if that's the case and there's a reason to believe it, we know it's not, the shooter still failed to call 911 after shooting an unarmed woman in the head, instead leaving her to die. Now, the that uh, behavior of a law-abiding gun owner, you know what I mean, who made a tragic mistake? Hell no. He's a racist. You know what I'm saying? And that's what America's, you know, it's, uh, some people in America is built, built off and based off of. Now, uh, McBride's aunt, she told the Detroit News that the shooting was unjustified regardless of whether or not the shooter believed she was an intruder. He shot her in the head for what? For knocking on his door, said Spinks on Tuesday. If he felt scared or threatened, he should have called 911. Spinks said that the family met with officials from prosecutor's office on Tuesday. And Spinks said she believes her niece was racially profiled. 
You see a black lady on your porch and you shoot, says Biggs. He killed my niece and he needs to pay for it. He needs to be in jail. There was no window broken. My niece didn't bother anyone. She went looking for help and now she's dead. So, people, that goes back to what Malcolm X said. Stop singing and start swinging. Okay, we we still repeatedly going through the same situations, the same situations, the same situations. You see that there was no justice with Trayvon Martin, so why even cry? Cry now to my oh, he's gonna pay. You know he ain't gonna pay for it. Once so again, he's a sacrifice, dog. Exactly. That's so now, what are you gonna, gonna do? Now, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to change this? Okay, now, okay, Detroit police. Despite changing the initial story, sent a request to Wayne, Wayne County's prosecutor's office asking for charges to be filed against the man who shot McBride. But that's no guarantee the charges will stick, given that Michigan is a stand-your-ground state. And, you, and is usually the case with stand-your-ground. Race may have played a role in McBride's death. She is, after all, a black woman from Detroit, which is 82% black, whereas Dearborn Heights, the area she was shot in, is 86% white. Okay? Uh... So it's some. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's sad, man. It's tragic that, you know, once again, people are so lost in their material shit and lost in things that don't matter that nobody stands up and fight for these. Out. Now, it's so bad now. It's not even the black men dying. It's our black women dying. Yeah. Miriam Carey. This, um, you know, it's crazy. Manisha McBride. It's crazy. Now, what, what are we gonna do, man? We're not protecting our women because we're so worried. We're so worried being about mama, worrying about being momos. They ain't worried about the women no more. We ain't protecting our <laughs> sisters, man. For real. I mean, that's, where the, that's where the destruction of, the, of our society comes in. Remember that. There's no definitely. elevation. Definitely. 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 It's real, no, son. It's crazy. So now, before on, we go baby. into the show, we're about to go into the show. But listen, you know they also got, right? I tell you, right, about the new RoboCop movie coming out, Right. Yeah, they got the, um, crazy. The, a world patrolled by drones, my my dude. It's crazy. All right? Wow. And now, the new trailer was released, and it makes even... And the scene with Samuel L. Jackson promises to make even the worst neighborhood in America completely cha- um, safe before showing footage of huge, lumbering ro- robots acting as military patrols in Middle Eastern countries whose citizens are forced to submit to biometric scans by the robots in order to avoid being treated as a criminal. Eliminate, <laughs> got your mind, soul, and your body. In your, in your body. In your wow. body. They're they not playing wow. with you. They are not playing, people. So, wow, man, you know how we crazy. do, son. It's about that time, y'all. <laughs> up on y'all right now we about to take and proceed if y'all wasn't with us yesterday we'll take you back from where we left off yesterday all right what we left off was what we was talking about mount sahau mount olympus and zoo story was based off a real story all right of al amba zoo which was olympus okay and zuzu which is zeus so we're going to proceed. I'm going to start us off. We're going to go down the line. Once again, people, we're going to break this down. So get your pens and your your pads ready. 
And <clears throat> you think they ready, y'all? I hope they ready. They should be ready. They need All right. to be ready. Be ready in 15 minutes. Got any questions? 15 minutes before the show wraps up. You can call in with all your questions. Any questions, a smart question. It don't matter if you want to talk shit. Stay. Feel free. If you want to call up and give a shout-out, feel free. All right? Here we go. Now, King Zuzu, who was Zeus, knew he would not be able to savor his triumph for long. A new war was about to begin a war which pitted his young solar system and its inhabitants against an older star system that was the home of their ancestors. But back in Asara, King Anu stormed through his palace. The specific event he had planned to avoid, a revolt led by Prince Akumabe, had not only happened, but had forced Anu himself to flee in humiliation. So Anu lashed out in an almost uncontrollable rage. He ordered his second R death ship to be immediately ready for war. The rebellious lord, Prince Akumahabe, would pay daily. Battle forces of elite bay warriors were loaded aboard the, air, the R. The first Aku star pilots were summoned. And the, a, the R was armed, escorted by the R, the triple R starfighters and warships. All right. Yes, sir. Somebody got some super air going in there. What was that? The R was armed. Okay, the R armada passed over the sky above the king's palace. The sight lifted the spirit of the king. Victory was sure to be his. Prince Aku Marbe will be punished for his blasphemous behaviors. But King Zuzu was ready. The captured R was also made ready. Lord King Azu, Zuzu, and his loyal Aku's plan, an unexpected welcome for the coming invasion force. Choosing not to wait. Choosing not to wait. The arrival of the Armada. Arzu and his forces planned to ambush the death ship of Anu while it was yet out of Aradu solar system. Okay, people. Y'all following us? Yes, sir. Okay, so as the star fleet from Asakra approached, Arzu waited. When he felt the moment was right, the Aku and Bay forces of the Rebel Empire descended on the Armada suddenly and with a fury befitting a galactic lightning storm. The escort ships that were caught by surprise exploded in huge balls of fire. The battle was engaged. Flashes of brilliant white and green lights crisscrossed through the blackness. Arzu watched the progress of the battle carefully. The moment for unleashing his capture R, captured R had to be precise. As his attack ship struck with deadly accuracy, a sudden break appeared in the formation of Anu's invasion forces. Arzu immediately summoned the captured AR death ship. For one brief moment, there was a silence as the two large warships faced each other. Okay, hold on one second, people. As two mighty bulls were lowered heads, the pause only preceded the headlong charge. Chaos and thunder and lightning filled the stairways. The weapons fire was, was overwhelming. Lord King Arzu had to turn away from the blinding light and the, defend, the deafening noise. When the light flashes stopped, Arzu lifted up his visor and strained to see through the smoke. The fragments flew by his ship as the, day, as the haze cleared. Arzu realized what those final explosions had been. They had come from his captured R-Depth ship. 
death ship. The enormous explosion hurled pieces of metal in every direction. Shards of the R out of skin bounced off Arzu's own ship. The mighty flagship of Anu had defeated Arzu's death ship and continued to move steadily forward. Arzu watched in horror as the dying body of the warship hurtled, flaming downward, into the oncoming path of the world of Kakab Shanama, which is Uranus. The planets where experiments on planet and animal life were being conducted by Prince EA. As a small moon-sized ship of metal entered the atmosphere, a shower of sparks filled the skies. Bolts of blue lightning flashed from the ship to the surface of the planet. The sky over Kakabab Shanama was in chaos even before the mile-wide globe of burning metal collided with the world. Striking at an angle, the stricken R careened off the planet, skidding and bouncing, then catapulting into black void. Kakabab Shanama was tipped over on its axis. Shutters pulsed along the inner caverns of the planet. Its quaking core was shaking and toppled once an upright world and now lays on its side. All right, so you understand, people, these things, this is something that happened way before we even, like, this is shit out of Star Wars. <laughs> Word, that's, but that's where the story came from. Exactly. Star Wars got their story from this. It's just to prepare your mind for what we're trying to tell you, people. Exactly, we're trying to give you something you can relate to. But that's see, okay. but that's but but that, all of that is uh you know to tell to tell lies visually, situation you know through the television. Okay, so we're you gonna scroll that. down, y'all. So follow me because we're gonna scroll down. All right. Uh, yeah. Okay. We had, we had Lord Azu watched helplessly as his valiant pilots fell into the dark void and the dying R. They had struck a death blow to a good part of the invasion forces, but had given the ultimate sacrifice in doing so. Turning away from sight, Arzu maneuvered his ship in an arc towards the still-moving R death ship of Anu, imposing it on its side. The R was truly magnificent in its horror. As Arzu continued to watch, he noticed that the R moved in an odd fashion. Its path was erratic. The realization suddenly struck Arzu. The destruction beams of his Aiki... Aikiki pilots had damaged the death ship. The outcome of the battle was still undecided. Arzu could still win a victory. With a renewed sense of hope, he ordered his warships to descend on the R death ship again, with Arzu himself in the lead. Using starfighters to occupy the escort forces, Arzu and his own starship went after the crippled R. Wave after wave of starships attacked the damaged ship again and again as it continued to move into Arzu's solar system. With his own arsenal of power, Powerful death rays, the warship fought its way past distant R.U. Neptune, the now fallen and tilted world of Kabab Shanama. But the constant fire barrage of R.S.U. starship began to take its toll. As the mighty R moved into the proximity of Targalu, which is Saturn, the tremendous gravity of the rain planet further pulled the shuddering death ship away from its direct path towards Tiamat. Almost out of control, the ship strained to stay in its course. Okay. Wow. This is crazy wow. now. The, the valiant Aiku pilots of the Anu took aim at the planet of Tiamat with the only weapon they had left, the R death ship itself. Maneuvering the flaming and disintegrated warship, they hurled themselves directly at Tiamat, Planet X, people. The great palace of Al Ambu Zoo was thrown into a panic. The alarm was sent out. Death was about to crash down from the skies. Starships, cargo ships, ships of every sort were commandeered for the purpose of evacuation, but it was too late. 
Nothing could be done. The inhabitants of Tiamat had no chance. They could not be rescued. It was too late. Lord Arzu could hear the screams of his people over the beams of communication. Turning his head away, Arzu turned off the audio linkage. Arzu's pilots veered his ship away. Lord Arzu had to be saved. The collision was moments away. As the dying AR death ship struck the planet, the ship of Lord Arzu was enveloped in blinding light. In moments, the shock wave struck the ship, bouncing it around as if they were a leaf caught up in a tidal wave. Tumbling and twisting, the ship of the Lord Arzu was thrown into the direction of Targalu, narrowly missing the stone rings. When his pilots regained control of the spinning ship, an uneasy Lord Arzu looked back towards his loved, beloved Tiamat. It was no more. The collision had ripped the paradise world apart. Huge chunks of the planet were flying in every direction. Mag- magna metal, fire, and lightning mixed together to create a cold, create a rain of burning death. Where once the proud planet had stood, only rocks, debris, smoke, and dust remained. Pieces of Tiamat were still flying by him as Arzu moved into the view of the destroyed planet. Through a cloud of dust, smoke, and gas, Lord Arzu, hoping for the best, maneuvered toward the place Tiamat had once stood. As he pulled out of the darkness, he saw it, Tiamat, or what was left of it. Now, people understand, that's the asteroid belt. Now, for those that don't know, part of Tiamat is what made the asteroid belt. So are we bring this into perspective? So now you understand why there's the asteroid belt. Okay. The so huge planet. Was, with, um, hmm? I thought it was those um the two the two moons that was around Saturn that collided with each other. Yeah, so that's you know, also that's, that's also the more perspective I heard too as well that there were two moons and this is by a uh, Vin uh the Leonardo da Vinci, da Vinci actually had moons. a telescope. But you got to remember it was it was that wasn't the only event that happened out there. So all that is. For all that's the asteroid belt, because that's that's just this is just one event. That them two moons is another event. You dig what I'm saying? So wow. all them rock, all that stuff is all that's the same because that all happened in the same area. So it's all leftover yeah. debris from everything. That's it, leftover debris. So it's, I mean, when you think about it now, it's like okay, why they just don't tell? They could tell us this type of shit. It make people want to strive for more in life to know that you know what I'm saying that. There was, there was people more advanced than we are. We were that we could actually be that advanced. You know what I'm saying? Or at least get close to being that advanced. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. But so, they don't. But they don't. They're not. They're not going to tell us that. They're going to keep that information short because they're trying to preserve their race. Yeah. Or I can't even say race. Want to make sure you buy all these new iPhones and all these nice shiny cars yep. and worship for this money. Yep. Now listen. We're going to go into this. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up right now. Then I'm going to pass the mic in a second. I'm going to go down and just read a few more paragraphs. Then I'm going to pass the mic. Um, so right now, we're going to go into letting you know we're getting closer to how they get to Earth, people. So, like I say, get your pens down so you can do your homework after we start going through this. So Lord Arzu and Aikiki, who remain, return to Dokmu, the central fortress. Dokmu, a wondrous world itself, will become the new royal planet. On Dokmu, Lord and King Arzu will begin again, rebuilding the glory of Tiamat, constructing the new golden era, independent of Asahara. As Lord Arzu, now King Zuzu, rests in his palace on the mountaintop of Dokmu, an astonishing message was received. The largest fragment of Tiamat had slowed in its fall toward the sun. It would not appear into the fiery abyss at all. Disappear into the fiery abyss at all. It would become, come to rest in its own orbit, just within the orbit of Dokmu. 
Now, Lord King Zuzu wasted no time summoning his own teams of Genesis scientists. He ordered them to rebuild the burned skeletal remains of Tiamat. Somehow, in some way, King Zuzu would bring the glory of the paradise world to life again. The success of the Genesis scientists lifted the king's spirits. He immediately ordered the construction of a large monument, a, play, a palace, to commemorate the loyal fallen warriors of Aradu. It would also be a monument to his father and his grandfather in a hall of Al-Al-Zu, Al-Al-U, on the world reconstructed. They would be honored, never to be forgotten. For a time, the destruction of R and its war escorts, along with the quick seizure of the Ninth Passageway and its outposts, held the great Anu at bay. The strength of Zuzu and his brilliant war tactics had surprised the Asakhara, king and his military forces. It would take time to reevaluate to plan for another attack. Okay, so people, we're going to say this. The Greek tale of old relates to the tale of Zeus, Zuzu, and the Olympus gods, Al-Ambahuzu, who battled against the olden gods of Mount Orthorus. All right, yeah, I can't Osiris, pronounce this in Greek. Osiris. So basically, Mount Osiris or Osiris, basically. That's the real. Yeah, Sirius. Uh, yeah, Sirius, Sirius and Osiris. But they yeah. were, that Greek word, I don't know that. <laughs> so. Osiris. 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 Osiris, yeah. Yeah, Osiris, yeah. All right, yeah, also. Sirius and Osiris, yep. Yeah, you got it right. they told about, you got to remember all them Typhon, the great and the hideous monster was sent by the gold of the gods to destroy Zeus. All right, all them stories, all that dates back. All right, um, so you ready to take it, take it, the mic? Yeah, 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 I'm ready. All right, all right. I'm ready. I'm ready. Think, but King Zuzu knew that he could not last forever. King Anu had suffered much. He would not remain quiet, not for long. Anu had suffered personal attack and injury. He had lost his flagship in a cool takeover and had lost the second Death Planet in battle. Zuzu had caused much damage and loss to Anu, and he had taken away a key amulet of the Empire's hold on the Ninth Passageway. <clears throat> Anu would be understandably angry. His empire would be challenged, but Anu had much more at stake. The future of the Ninth Passageway, excuse me, the future of the Ninth Passageway was at was at risk, as was his hold on the throne. Loss of control of the Ninth Passageway system gave the war queen of Ariane reason to side with the rebel Zuzu. Mining of precious ores and production of heavy metals was most critical. The queens would not tolerate his vital, this vital industry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, the queens would not tolerate this vital industry. Interfered with Clearly the king would have, <clears throat> would have not acted quickly Before the Ariane Queens decided to allow Zuzu to remain In power as they Had permitted his grandfather Al Al And that was not all That concerned Anu Prince and and Lil Also forced to flee The Aradu system Had returned to sit in the royal court of Asara, the potential threat of, excuse me, the potential threat was posed, excuse me, the potential threat he posed could not be ignored either. The king faced danger everywhere, but, be, but before he could act, the king received word 
that uh, excuse me. Oh, excuse me. But before the king could receive could act, the king received word that the that the SSST queens wanted his presence in the Ariane Palace. This worried Anu. He knew they would demand an accounting. His defeat at the hands of the rebel lord Arzu needed to have a resolution and a resource for alleviation. Anu presented himself before the queen. A plan for the counterattack had been drawn up by his dock commanders. The argument for immediate action seemed obvious to him. The Aryan queens listened in silence as Anu spoke. In his words, excuse me, in his words were his arguments for the con- continuance of assaults upon the rebellious star system. On completion of his talk, Anu felt confident he had made his point. As he sat down, he turned to see the chamber doors open. To his dismay, the rebel king Zuzu entered the court. Anu stood to protest, but was commanded to sit quietly. As the upstairs rebel, excuse me, to this, uh, excuse me, as the upstart rebel spoke to the queens, Anu could not remain seated. Leaping to his feet, he was again ordered to sit down. King Zuzu made his position clear. He was the rightful king of Aradu, and the people wanted him. The system had not been destroyed. Production of metals and the supply of vital minerals could continue. The agreement with his grandfather would be fulfilled. Arzu would honor early, earlier promises, but without the presence of Hanu, as he finished, King, King Zuzu sat down. Wow, it's crazy, son. That's where they got into the bigging up the chess situation. Mm-hmm. The chess was bigger. The tales of the world under the hand of King Zuzu were many. Though a savior of his people, he was still a king and subject to arbitrary whims. Still things were well, but the fates would once again interfere with the future of the Aradu solar system. Wow. Shortly after confrontation in the SSST palace, the Ariane queens would find themselves facing the looming specter of war with an age-old enemy. Unfortunately for Zuzu, the threat came from a neighboring star system not far from his Aradu solar system. Advised of the threatening situation, Anu recognized an opportunity to remove the rebel from power. Approaching the Ariane Queen, King Anu made an argument for the removal of the young king Zuzu. The ninth passage—excuse me—the ninth passageway was vital to the Ariane Empire. Zuzu and his ambition to expand his empire might be swayed to accept support from the very same enemies who threatened to battle against the SSS Queens. If Zuzu had rebelled against the Asara Empire without aid Why would he not rebel Against the SSST Queen with the support Of Ariane enemies Wow so you know, So he's plotting you know, 
style, son. How they? I'm telling you, yo. Yeah, yo, you got to think, wow, that's son. Nuts. It, it just keeps going. History repeats itself. Yeah, it goes yeah on, I know, on, man. On, All of that on, stuff on. that's embedded into our DNA. The cutting of the throat, the crabs in the barrel situation. Yo, that's crazy. Yo, let me finish this real quick. When you finish that, right, um, Truth Seeker. Uh, Truth Seeker. I'll pick up from um Eridu after after um when he finished pick it up and cut go go down to Eridu, Eridu, you know go <clears> check <throat> your notes on there. Okay, I'm checking um, right now. All right, and um go ahead uh, proceed proceed go proceed. King Ariane, uh, excuse me, the Ariane queens paused and agreed. They would assist the Asara king with his return to the ninth passageway solar system, excuse me, solar system to subdue King Zuzu. Lord King Anu was elated. In this venture, he would not fail. This time, the war armadas of both the SSST and the Asara Empire would join forces. By marshalling together these starships and warriors alongside the forces of the SSST queens, Anu had assembled an armada such as had excuse me, such as had never been seen before. Excuse me, did that that didn't even sound right. <laughs> <laughs> you had assembled an armada such as had never been seen before. There you go. Yeah, these people you know, the, the glen and black and white is, is, is bugging my eyes out. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, so people, yes, thank you, people, thank you. But, you know, all the time, we got to tell you, you know. Open your mind. Open yeah, your mind. Real talk. <laughs> real talk. Open your mind. Truth Seeker, you ready? To, you ready? You ready to get your rocks off, Cuzzo? Starship of Prince Ea moved slowly over the land. He examined the surface carefully. Enormous glacial ice blanketed most of the upper and lower hemisphere of the, equa- <laughs> the equatorial strip was the only part left untouched. The prince and his crew analyzed the data carefully. The landing site had already been selected. As the prince emerged, examined the area, emerged and examined the area, the words of his father, King Anu, were clear. Rebuild the devastated system, he ordered Prince Ea. The destruction of the world of Zuzu had been complete. The planet of the Red Sands was reduced to dust and rubble. All spaces of life were destroyed. Without life and plants, the atmosphere died. Ice sheets formed from the poles almost to the equator. Dakmu was frozen in its depth, and its sister world, Dakamu, had been transformed into a planet of arid, scorched lands and deadly poisonous oceans. Aradu, the once rebuilt home of the rebel Zuzu, was also devastated. Only, <clears throat> only rebuilt home, only Aradu, Targalu, and Bak Yu remain relatively intact. The prince could not imagine what it must have been like to be in the middle of it all, in the center of the battles. He, like his brother, had been forced to flee. He looked up into the heavens. The prince knew his brother was overhead, somewhere on an orbit orbiting military cruiser. He was above, looking down onto him. Prince Alil was the lord of the airways. He thought Prince Ur was commanding. 
The prince looked at the destroyed world. The task would be great. He would make sure to fulfill his father's orders. He would rebuild and he would establish a mining operation extracting vital ores and precious minerals. He would rebuild the paradise world from the war-torn planet. And perhaps he would do a little more. Ea revealed in thought. And so they began. Prince Ea and his volunteer crew, the Anuki, the Anunnaki, the chosen site for the initial compound, had lots of water and fertile soil. Studies had revealed deposits of precious ores far below. It was the logical place to begin. Each of the members of the prince's crew had been chosen because of his or her special skills or abilities. Each one had been assigned the rank of lord. Each had been granted an amount of property in the Aradu, and each was given a fair share of future monetary returns from the new colony. The rewards were generous, the dangers considerable. The prince had taken his time in selecting his crew. The stakes were high, but he was proud they were good. Now, this sounds like to me, you know, if if you've been doing your research and looking, you know, Peru and, you know, certain countries in South America are very rich in ore and gold. And, you know, something as simple as Aztec lines and, and things like that will make sense where if you're flying over this planet and you need something to kind of give you a marker for where you've been and what's where, that would make sense on why you would have, you know, Aztec lines or, you know, these big kind of maps placed out in such, you know, you know, deserted areas. And this also explains how certain things around the world are connected, but at that time there was no way to communicate effectively or to travel in such a way except by book. Correct. So before you proceed, I want to say something too. Before you proceed, so people, one thing these days that people try and do is they try to make people think that the Anunnaki are reptilians. Anunnaki are not reptilians. Anunnaki is not one picture showing the Anunnaki as reptilians. The, the, the reptilians are part of the, the D and the K, which is known as the destroyers of life. And the Anunnaki's attributes is KD, which is the givers of life. So don't let people fool you and trick you and have you thinking, oh no, they're two different speed beings. All right? Now, you can proceed, brother. Pardon me. And, and, and like you said, you know, the Anunnaki, the star people, they cared about us. They wanted to save us. Yo, but perfect. remember, but remember, not, wait, I just wanted to say one thing. I, I apologize for putting in, brother. Um, But there's different types. Those are different types of reptilian also. Because remember, there's 180 of uh, species, yeah. alien species. Right, and not all of the, not all of the reptilian because I think they had the hybrid of the reptilian and other beings that were um, for the creation of life. And you know, so listen, life. reptilians are represent. It's uh, you just read the documentation that shows you. There's no good reptilians, my nigga. Them niggas, they, they, I mean, you, we know that. We we know that that their bloodline. Anunnaki's just like you said. They're not even from. They're not even reptilian. Reptilians. Is the SSTs and all of them? Those oh, are reptilians yeah, exactly. and the Aryans. Exactly. And the Aryans, they got reptilians. And the the Anunnaki's, Elohim's, are the givers of life. You gotta, you know what I'm saying? You gotta be able to know the attributes. Don't you see the DK? How that's the D and the K is destroying the life. Then you flip it around. The K and the D is the givers of life. But right now on Earth, they trying to they having people thinking that the Anunnaki are the reptilians. Right, right. 
Right, right, right. They're not, they're not, there's not one picture. When you see the Anunnaki on any hieroglyphics anywhere, there's not a, the reptilian is dealing with the Anunnaki, not the Anunnaki and the reptilian, uh, not mm-hmm. one. Yeah, right, those right, hieroglyphs right. are, those hieroglyphs really depict as far as, like, the head, the arms, the body, like, they really depict what they saw, where even if it was something as small as scales, you know, you could see little lines or, you know, something to symbolize that, you know? Yep, okay, all right, definitely. You ready to proceed? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. The first assignment was the construction of the base of operations. The compound would be built in stone, naturally durable and readily available. But as the Anunnaki began to set up the cutting lights and sound carriers, the generators ceased to operate. The natural energy grid lines of energy common to all worlds were fluctuating wildly on the planet. The great collusion... The event which had created the world they stood on had caused the inner core to become unstable, thus causing a constant wavering of energy lines. To produce a stable supply of power, Prince Ia located a point where six energy lines naturally intersected. Here on the intersection, the prince erected a large energy house. which would extract a sufficient energy to run the construction equipment. Power crystals, power crystals. Now, people, just for a quick second, if anybody that's into computers and knows computers, if you look inside of a computer, the two main components of two things that really give, you know, power to a computer are metal, which is gold, which is the highest conducting electricity, and diamonds, the small diamonds and crystals that are used to basically hold information. So oh. I'm telling you here, this is basically the this is basically the beginning of how their computers work. Yep. They 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 channel frequencies. That's what it is. Uh, yeah. They channel uh, the frequencies exactly. the, the, the ohms. Oh yeah. Uh, the prince erected a large energy house, a focusing center which would extract sufficient energy to run the construction equipment. Power crystals Specially grown for just such a purpose, where where placed where placed in the energy chambers, the energy house would also hold the reanimation center within its wall. Fatally injured technicians must have taken care of immediately. Prince Ia could not afford to lose even one of his carefully chosen crew. As the dreaded DK were destroyers of life. So the Anunnaki was known as the KD, the givers of life, just as the untamed blogger had just told us just a few seconds ago. And because the irregularity pulsating energy lines made the starship instruments unreliable, the energy house was built with four highly reflective triangular sides that allowed an aerial orientation for pilots high above. Pyramids? Landing coordinates? Pyramids. Pyramids, pyramids. Land, landing coordinates, the ley lines. The hieroglyphs, too. They, they, show this, they show these energy crystals, and they show this, and, you know, they try to tell us that, oh, you know, these, these things that are hieroglyphs, those are just flowers, and, and, you know, the lines are just, you know, the scent of the flowers. Come on, people. I don't care yeah. what time it is. You know, if you want to draw flowers, you draw a flower, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what's so crazy? That means something, you put it up on a wall so everybody can remember. Yo, I wouldn't try to wrap up something like flowers. Yo, um, what I was going to say, 
Yeah, because right now we about to get into people. We about to right now we about to bring it to you, and we about to link you to Earth and our ancestors. You ready, son? I'm so ready, sir. People, all right, proceed. Slowly, the power problems began to be resolved, but for much of the time, power anomalies made progress difficult in every aspect of the mining and construction projects. Field technicians were forced to perform unexpected physical labor to compensate for failed equipment. The Anunnaki were few, the laborers many. The Anunnaki complained. Prince Ia relayed the words to King Anu, but the king would not hear of their problems. Production would still have to increase. The Anunnaki felt overworked and ignored. They protested and threatened to cease their labors. Prince Ia promised an increase in future rewards. Grudging, but with additional recompense promise, the Anunnaki returned to their labors. Construction and mining recovery crews switched to lower consumption cutting lights and sound wave movers. But lower consumption meant lower output. Production was slowed down, causing King a new concern. To this end, Prince Ia began the use of beasts of burden to assist the Anunnaki. Progress in this operation slowed, but there was progress. But in time, the operation was able to begin sending gold shipments on schedule. Transport ships landed on Aradu and departed with their vital cargoes. Now, people, if, if you if you heard where where they study, you know, Stonehenge and pyramids, the first thing that they noticed are things of materials like limestone and marble that were was not able to be found for at least a hundred miles. How did they get it there? Somebody, somebody hit the hit the drop for them, man. Open your mind. Hit the drop for them, man. <laughs> Open your mind. Open your mind. So look, listen, we I'm about to pull in there. I'm pulling here because we about, we got like ten minutes um, to wrap this up. Uh, but what about but people, the callers? The callers, if you want to call in, anybody want to talk, let me know. All right, we got a caller online. <laughs> you want to let them on? <laughs> Let's let them on. See what they have to say. So caller in Pittsburgh, seven two four. How you doing? Hello, hello, hello. Hello, caller. Caller. Yes, you're on caller. the air. <laughs> you're on the air. Hello, you're on the air. Yes. <laughs> How you doing? We're here. <laughs> We'd love to talk to you. I guess they they disconnected. <laughs> oh, boo. Boo. <laughs> now, listen. All right, where we at now? I lost myself to the caller. <laughs> you want me to finish this last paragraph right here? It's two more sentences. Right, yeah, put the yeah, finish that. My bad. Pa- right, I apologize. So, so once they transported the ships and they landed in the Aradu, they departed with their vital cargoes. Gold was immediately sent back to the SRR. Other precious ores were sent right to the Babaru and the Tagalu refineries. Even the tilting and the erratic spinning of Kakabal. Sanama began to show signs of life on its surface. Construction yes. crews completed the stone structures and compound, making the Aradu settlement look more like a city and not a mining camp. 
and in the center of the compound, a magnificent agriculture biological center was fast becoming the centerpiece of the stone, the stone city. city people. Do y'all get it, people? Do y'all get it yet? Because right now, you are seeing that the star elders came from space and landed on Aridu. Now, Aridu, from Aridu, comes the words for Earth. Erd, E-R-D-E, Erd, Erda. Erd is German. Erda is Old High German. Jord is Icelandic, okay? Uh, Ertha is Gothic. Jord is Danish, and Erd is Middle English. Okay, so all them words make up to come from that word, Earth. All right, now, Tiamat, people, who I don't know, is that Tiamat is really not Planet X. It was Planet X. Tiamat is Earth. Tiamat was part of Planet X, and when Planet X was blown up, it created Earth. If y'all read, if y'all was listening when we broke it down for you, mm-hmm. okay? And now we're going to show you how they erased it from being called Tiamat, the old Tiamat, to the new Eridu, okay? So now, the prince, prince has done well. The great Anu was pleased. Prince EA's operations had allowed Anu to retain control of the Eridu solar system and keep his hold on the starlings in the passage. Ea had succeeded beyond expectations of his father. His talents as a Genesis master had been put to the test, and he exceeded the task. Tiamat was reborn. King Anu immediately sent a dispatch. Old Eridu, the conquering place, was dead. Eridu, the enslaved place, was alive. No one would ever doubt the power, the might, and the vengeance of the Asakara king again. The name of the colony would serve as a reminder and a warning to anyone who sought the challenge of questioning the might of the great Anu. The hand of Anu would always be upon Eridu, which is Earth. Now, Prince Ea was assigned to the title Ingi, Lord of Eridu. The devastated world was a living place again. Ea, Ea carefully manipulated engineered animals and plant life forms that could endure in the harsh environments and, po- uh, harsh environments and poisonous nitrogen air of the planet. Atmospheric conditions, units began to make the air breathable and warmer. After, often laboring for many time periods, the prince gave little thought to rest. But the continuing efforts of Prince Ea were, were not without their rewards. One of its ambitions, the establishment of a center for life science, an agricultural biological center, was actually achieved. An above-ground laboratory, the life center produced and nurtured the hybrid seedlings and hybrid creatures which would be transplanted around the globe. The center became Prince Ea's pride and joy, a garden of life. People, similarity, 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 similarity. Come on, people. Come on, people really? now. Once again, the world began to take on a look and feel of a paradise world. Once again, the planet was alive. But though Eridu was once again a harbinger of life, the planets of Dakmu, Mars, and Dakamu, Venus, were forbidden to have life once again on its surface. The great Anu decreed that both worlds will remain barren. They would serve as warnings to any potential challenger. The wrath of Anu was great. Okay, people? So the agriculture center was also making great strides in creating new and unique life forms capable of surviving in the atmosphere of Eridu. But the experiments occupied Prince's eyes much of the time, much of the time, taking him away from the administration duties so necessary to the Lord, the great king, Anu, was upset. 
The King Asadar had put Prince Ea in charge of Eridu because of the, his genesis abilities. Prince Enil, his second son, was to remain in charge of the airways and the lanes of the Eridu solar system. But Prince Enlil was once again making sounds of great displeasure in being placed so far away from the royal palace of Asakra. This further upset the king, and so he moved to resolve the problems. Prince Enlil was given administration control of Eridu, the solar system, the planet, and the city. But control over the development and exploitation of the planets will remain with Prince Ea. Thus, domination, dom- dominion over Eridu would be sharp or shared. In this way, the king Anu believed he could continue to keep an angry Enlil away from the court, fulfill his ambitions as a lord of power, and still utilize the abilities of Prince Ea. Prince Ea still Enji was shattered and angry. All of his es- efforts and successes had been ignored. His palace, his place in the faraway empire stripped away. In anger, the Prince of Life left Eridu, moving to a distant region in order to build yet another agricultural biological center. Here, too, he would develop a gold mining operation, but here he would focus on his passion, the engineering of life. Joined by his sister, Princess Nin Harsag, also a genesis scientist, both began a renewed effort in the creation of life forms of the planet of Eridu. And in this effort, Prince Nin Hasag would be the creator of a hybrid creature that will forever change the destiny of Eridu and its Asakra masters. In the meantime, Prince Enlil would use his own skills to streamline the operation. Increasing production, calling for additional cargo flights, and demanding increased laborers from the Anunnaki. Prince Enlil produced the greater quantities of ore for less course, and in shorter time, this pleased the great king Anu greatly. But the demand for a higher production stressed the worker Anunnaki to a breaking point. Fueled by the isolation and the distance from loved ones, the anger of the Anunnaki became a work stoppage, a strike. When threatened with punishment, a group of Anunnaki attacked the palace of Enlil itself. His life threatened, Prince Enlil immediately called on Anu to descend to the faraway kingdom. Angrily, angrily, the king responded to the call from Eridu. Both Prince Enlil and the Anunnaki demanded an audience with the king. The angry laborers asked for the immediate removal of Prince Enlil. Even the prince himself asked to be removed. His desires was to return to the faraway royal high courts of Asakra. Quietly yet firmly, Lord Prince Ea added his voice to the request for the reassignment of his brother. Again faced with a serious situation, King Anu was forced to make his way to the troubled outpost. Arriving in the palace of Eridu, Anu immediately held a hearing for the purpose of resolution of the situation. The voices were loud and angry. Everyone presented his case for the return of Prince Enlil to the court of Asakra. No one asked for his continued rule. When the voices were finally quiet, the wishes of every member of the assembly were clear. Enlil must go. Everyone turned to the king. Sat down. He made no movement. He was sore. Trouble, sorely troubled. He had hoped that, that Lord Prince Al Enlil could somehow be kept in Eridu. The great and wise Anu find himself wanting and needing solution. So, people, we brought it to Earth, and what I would just say to you people is you do your homework now from there. You get that, the terror pages, and do your homework and read and know that, that that's in that book and that you could put that next to your Bible when somebody's story is not true or somebody's story is copied of one another. So, my team. Say what's up, my people. Let's give a shout out before we go, people. I want to give a shout out to everybody that's following us, man, and I hope you seek the knowledge wholeheartedly, man, because we're giving it to you wholeheartedly. Absorb it, digest it, <coughs> and live your life. You know what I'm saying? Oh, we are the past. Yep. And living, not living fair. 
No doubt. Yeah, my bad. The best. I just want to um, I want to thank the listeners for just bearing with us because um, if you look up these uh, papers and you actually read them, the pronunciation of these 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 words of these life forms are not the easiest things to pronounce. So we're trying our best to give you the correct information and the best way we know how to break it down for you. So thank you thank you for bearing with us. Sorry for the callers who weren't able to call in. Um, this is some something that we'll work on for you guys to give you a little bit more time to call in and work with us as well because we know without you there's no us. We are the past, we are the present, we are the future. We are the future. All right. Truth has no agenda, all right? And you know what to do. Hit us up at third. Here in 1992, we present the fabulous What's the Scenario Remix. Whereas there are seven of Six which are in physical form, one which is in spiritual essence, and he goes by the name of the. Check the wild folk that answer, get your effing shit. I'm like one shot, boom, man, man, I rip up stages, lay down your waist, I'm wild like Larry Davis, extra, extra, pick up a clip, I tear ass out the frame, and grab my dick. Oh, I'm about to shock a robot kid, I drop bombs, I'm rugged and dead, so I shit on a penny, I make for bad, I'm bastard. Bad news, I'm raging clever, cut those of proofs. Death on a phono, my skills are pono. You say, oh no, you bitch ass homo. I bag up weight, electrifying, I'm prime time. I slaughter the slot, I'm the greatest of all time. Sick ass cover, nasty ass nigga, I pump slugs in your face. Mm-hmm. 